Hello, Supersonic family. This is J.S. Earls, co-creator of Supersonic Pod Comics, and I just wanted to talk a little bit about the special covers and other things that we're going to be doing. For me, it all comes back to comics for your ears. That's the tagline Ben Avery came up with when we ran our Kickstarter to help us officially get Supersonic off the ground. Personally, I still love that phrase because it really epitomizes what we're trying to do with this podcast what we're trying to do with this universe, really. If they're for your ears, why do we need special covers? Well, podcasts have cover art, so we do need some sort of cover. And obviously, we try to capture the spirit of comic books with our covers. But yes, we don't need special covers. However, as one of the creators, I really didn't like the fact that we had over 20 regular characters in our series, but only four character pictures. I felt bad for the voice actors who didn't have character art, And it's difficult for us to communicate that Supersonic is a whole universe when all we have to show people is four characters. Now, four picks is better than zero picks. And Ben and I absolutely love those four character picks by Eric Nailtowski and Rob C. Richardson. We really do. I mean, that's what got us going. But we needed more. We needed to show more characters and more than one style of art because that's part of what we're really trying to capture. And that's where my variant cover idea came in. Now, since I deal with Supersonic's visuals, I've had a lot of people, like a lot, over the last year ask when we're going to have character art for other characters, like the Mark's Ninja Vigilante, Gollum King, Orthy from Sumo Girl, more characters from the random, more members of Superforce. It didn't really bother me to have the people asking me because I felt the same way. Fast forward a few months, and thanks to our son's new quarantine gig of buying and selling collectible comics, shout out to Foiled Again Comics, I started seeing how popular variant covers were again. (laughs) Right, variant covers. For those who aren't geeky enough or nerdy enough to know, a variant cover refers to a comic issue that's printed with multiple covers, each with its own unique cover art. You've probably seen this on TV guides and entertainment magazines where they do things like that too. Anyways, in the 90s, publishers went a little crazy and got extremely gimmicky with this. So that phase kind of died down a little bit, but then variant covers slowly started coming back, and now they are really hot again, and they're really, for the most part, treated like genuine works of art. I mean, many collectors even put them in frames and hang them on walls. And I would say deservedly so. Some of these covers the artists will spend several weeks on or a month on. Some of them are painted. I mean, it's just amazing the stuff that they do. Even this year, Taylor Swift got into the variant cover game when she released her Folklore album with eight different covers. Now, this is not endorsing Taylor Swift in any way. I'm just sharing that this is kind of a thing that is currently going on and that a lot of people are trying and doing. Obviously, part of the intent is they want the hardcore fans to be collecting all of the covers and spending all that money. But a lot of the other intent, too, is to give it more individuality, to make it more interactive, where you get to choose the cover you want for it. You're not just stuck with whatever the artist wants. Because honestly, writers and artists, we have a lot of different facets to us and a lot of different things that we enjoy. So sometimes we don't like getting stuck with one specific cover or whatever. Regardless, the same day I read about Taylor Swift doing the variant 
Bryant covers for her new album. It was the same day I came across an article Drew Bradley wrote at Multiversity Comics. In it, he says, the first variant covers weren't produced with collectors in mind, or anything in mind for that matter. The sudden popularity of Marvel's first comics in the 60s gained the attention of the Golden Record Company, known for packaging storybooks with vinyl records of them, the books, read aloud. An agreement with Marvel allowed them to make some read-along recordings of Fantastic Four number one and Avengers number one. And because this was after the books had been available on the newsstands, a special printing of the issues was done just for Golden Records. And those printings included new covers for Fantastic Four number one and Avengers number one. See, Ben, variant covers for audio comics aren't so strange. Well, maybe a little, or a lot but that's not the point. The point, as Mobius would say, I borrowed a little money, I contacted a bunch of artists, some well-known pros, some new talent, and we got this ball rolling. Will everyone want variant covers? No. And we won't stop making supersonic episodes available for free wherever you're listening to this. Did this simply for those who want a little bit more. You'll be able to choose your sound quality, and you can choose the exclusive covers you won't find in this main feed. Where can you find them? At specialeditions.bandcamp.com. And don't worry, if you can't write that down, you can find a link to our Bandcamp page in the show notes for this episode. In an effort to keep things affordable, we set the price at 99 cents an episode. That's less than a song, and generally 10 times as long. We also have some very cool freebies on there. And hey, who doesn't like free? Speaking of free, if you're already one of our $1, $5, or $10 patrons on Patreon, then beginning September 2020, you can choose one free variant cover episode every month you remain a patron of Supersonic Pod Comics. So now that you're all cut up on all this variant cover business, let's say we meet one of the superstar artists who illustrated not one, but two killer covers for us. A fellow Floridian I bumped into at cons and movie theaters, and someone Ben Avery's even had the honor of working with. We not only respect his work on comics like Superman, Batman, Daredevil, and The Lone Ranger, but also as a genuinely wonderful human being. Oh, how do you say your last name properly? Cariello. Oh, it's Sergio Cariello for America, you know. Um, I'm not used to listening to my name in Portuguese anymore, so... It's it's a, it's a Portuguese, but it it comes from Italy. So there are different ways to pronounce it. You know, if you're from Italy, is one way. If you're from Brazil, is another way. If you're from a Spanish-speaking place, it's another way. Yeah, I, I go for Sergio Cariello, and that that's it. You know. Hey, this is J.S. Earls, and I'm here with Sergio Cariello, who was kind enough to do a couple pieces of art for our special edition covers. Definitely check those out if you have not seen them, and I believe we will put a link in the notes of this episode or wherever you're finding this. But we thought you would uh, enjoy getting to know Sergio a little bit. How did you first get started drawing comics? I'll take you back to 1975. That was uh, Sergio, the kid, <laughs> 11 years old. My mother worked for a bank, and the bank had a columnist for the newspaper of the state. And she connected me to the children's department of the newspaper. And 
I got to do my own comic strip called Frederico the Detective. So I wrote and drew the whole thing. I had no idea about production. So I drew them to size of publication. So, <laughs> and I had no fear whatsoever about making mistakes. So I drew on a 8.5 by 11 paper with a magic marker. No pencils, no planning. Just yeah. bang, you know, from 11 to 14. Wow. I was doing comic strips uh, weekly and did characters for that columnist I mentioned. When I came to America in 1985, my brother had worked for Caliber Press through agents. And there is a story, Dagon, he wouldn't have time to draw, and told them, my brother lives in America, why don't you try him? So I got to do Dagon for Caliber Press, H.P. Lovecraft's adaptations. I penciled, inked, and lettered that book, and I was in the middle of getting accepted to the Cuber School. So because I was drawing Dagon, I got exempt from a lot of homeworks from the teachers. Oh, cool. Yes. And I improved my lettering greatly by having Hi Eisman, the Popeye artist. So, wow. Yeah, he taught us how to hand letter. And I brought my lettering assignment to Marvel Comics, got hired. And the second year of going to the Cuba school, I got hired to work in a bullpen back in early 90s. But I was still doing Dagon for Caliber. And the editor saw I could draw also. So they gave me pencil work so much so that I had to quit my bullpen position to work at home as a freelancer and got busy with DC Comics as well. Uh, Then did stuff for Dark Horse, Dynamite, Disney. And because of my comic book work, uh, David C. Cook, who published the picture Bible from the 70s, which I got when I was in Brazil in Portuguese, black and white. They asked me if I wanted to revamp the picture Bible from the 70s, which I accepted. it, And uh, I did the most successful book of my career, the actual Bible. But um, because of my success with drawing for companies, Joe Kubert hired me to teach at his school for seven consecutive years. I even helped him with the correspondence courses, critiquing along with him. And then I moved to Florida in 2003 to work for CrossGen. Wow. Yeah. Is it mainly just depending on what comes up at the time? Or, like, how do you make your decisions? Yeah, one job led to another. I was doing, uh, for Marvel, I was doing uh, lettering. I lettered a Bobby comic. I lettered Conan stories. And before doing lettering, I, I did I, I did ghost lettering. So I was hired to be a ghost letterer. A ghost letterer is that letterer uh, that imitates everybody else's lettering without getting credits. So he's a ghost. That's Nobody crazy. sees him. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, because when you hire uh, the team to produce the book, you got to have the art direction to fix anything. And along with the art, art, art corrections, there are lettering corrections that has to be made before the book goes out. I mean, it used to be that way because the, letter, the lettering was done on the boards. stood up on the boards after the fact, and we just used rubber cement and white out and got ourselves really high with that smell. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, yeah, back then. And we yeah, laid out seven pages or, or ten pages, put the rubber cement down and put the white out in the back of the vellum where the lettering was done. Yeah. And cut it, cut with an exacto knife and paste it on. Yeah. On words, and then, if anything had to be changed on the uh, copy on the balloons, uh, the conversation captions, whatever, the ghost lettering department would take care of that. 
and Romita's Raiders would do the art correction to to meet um, to, to fix any art uh, within the pages. Right. So, um, because I was doing Dagon, the editors could see that I could draw. They gave me, you know, a Daredevil, Spider-Man thing, or um, Conan pinup. So I, to me, everything was yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it. So, yeah. And then DC hired me to do Deathstroke for one year, and I did it. Uh, Marv Wolfman was a writer on that. Then I did Azrael with Denny O'Neill uh, for until it was it was uh, the book was done, right? Finished. Did some more Denny O'Neill uh, short series like uh, the 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 Arrow, the Arrow and the Bat. Oh, right, uh, right, yeah. Since of the Dark Knight. And did some things with Chuck Dixon and Bo Smith on Batman, Wildcat, uh, Batman, Catwoman. Um, and the fill-in issues like Wonder Woman or Avengers What If. Uh, a lot of work that came to me, and I never said no because I – I liked every uh, subject and story that I got to draw. So I was I was busy from one job to another until I did uh, the Action Bible, and that got me really busy. And then I did the Lone Ranger along with the Action Bible at the same time. I did this something with Zondervan, uh, son of Samson. Right. At the same time that I was doing the Action Bible and the Lone Ranger. So I didn't have time to do any Marvel DC while I was doing those three things. Uh, Lone Ranger, Action Bible, and Zondervan. And the Action Bible got me work on different Christian publishers like uh, Focus on the Family, which I'm still working for today. And more Cook, David C. Cook, uh, Action Bible brand material, Kingstone with the Christ series and Ben Avery who yeah. wrote. And I did some things for a Christian uh, video game in Texas and some other things like pa uh, compassion ministries so i've done a lot of uh, uh um, christian commissions and covers and cds and stuff um and eventually more of dc and marvel things like i did like a spider girl fill in i did i i did some some Inking over Lee Weeks. Yeah. Um, Superman, Spi uh, Superman Spider-Man, Daredevil. How did you develop your style with, like, the way that you draw now? No, I, I know that I was influenced by a ton of artists because when I was a kid, I loved Milton Kniff, Alex Raymond, Will Eisner. Right. 
Chuck Jones, Mort Drucker, so many different artists, European artists like Uderzo. Yeah. Uderzo, uh, Asterix. And Jack Davis, uh, Alex Stoth, um, Joe Maria Sr., Al Williamson, uh, Steve Rude. All of these guys that I admired over the years definitely influenced me somehow. And Joe Kubert, uh, for sure. But I've never thought about my style. I just... I just drew whatever I felt like doing with the assignment that I got. I think you already pretty much mentioned mentioned them, but uh, do you have any favorite comics or graphic novels that you've worked on? Yeah, I really loved drawing The Lone Ranger because it was more panoramic, uh, Sergio Leone, Western. Right. And I, I love Westerns. I love uh, organic stuff. Yeah. So I, I, I enjoyed... The Lone Ranger a lot. And also, I had the most fun drawing Son of Samson for Zondervan with Gary Martin. Yeah. No, that style, very cartoonish style. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I love drawing Jesus for uh, any company, uh, but mainly Cook has been my main uh, Christian uh, publisher. Your run on Lone Ranger is one that I that I collected. Um, yeah. Cause I, I really liked, I really liked that too. And I liked the way that it wasn't uh, kind of like what you were saying with the panorama and everything. It wasn't, it wasn't super fast. It, it kind of took its time and you just, yeah. and you felt like that emotion and, and the style of the, it was kind of like a going to the cinema or something and, and watching it. It was like, yeah, I really, I really, uh, I like that a lot, and I and I really like the um, uh, I like the coloring and stuff on that book too. Just the stuff, yeah. the way it worked with your with your style. Um, just yeah, it was really cool. Like this theme. But I, I also love drawing Batman for DC Comics, and yeah. whenever I had a chance to draw Spider Man, also I love those characters. Yes, and that is yeah. Those are two of the things that I was going to ask him because he uh, and he doesn't know this, but uh, one of the things that we have been doing um, with our kind of like cast and crew is we've been doing some different questions and putting them out there for the listeners. And yeah, and one of them was the one of the questions that we already did was who your favorite superhero was. So his are Spider Man and Batman, and um. So who who and then coming up next we're going to be asking everybody who their favorite supervillain is. So who's your favorite supervillain? Or if you had to if you had to choose one to hate or that you that you really you think he's a good, he's a good villain but he's not a um not necessarily somebody you want to hang out with. Yeah, I like the looks of Juggernaut. I have some statues of him. I've drawn yeah. him uh for commissions and I don't know if I ever drew him for any comics that I got to do, but I I enjoyed uh, drawing some uh, villains as commissions, and Juggernaut was uh, definitely a favorite. That's awesome! Yeah, that's awesome. That's I, I think he he's one of my son's favorite villains. I think mainly because of the way he looks too. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean. 
I guess you can share whatever current or upcoming projects that you're allowed to talk about. Yeah, I've been drawing for uh, Focus on the Family, the Imagination Station books for kids. And they're cartoonish style books. And I draw the covers and the interiors since issue 22, I think. And I'm on, I'm about to begin working on book 27. Wow. So I enjoyed that a lot. And I just recently finished the Action Bible Anniversary Edition that's going to come out September 1st. So I worked adding 128 extra pages. Wow. Can you say what kinds of things you added to that? We added some scenes to existing stories. We added new stories, changed some pages, revised some pages to turn them into double page threads. Oh, cool. To make it more dynamic. Right. Yes, like the Egyptians going after Israelites through the Red Sea. So I made a double page spread of parting the sea and the chariots being engulfed by the water. I will say that's one of the things that I really do like about when I have had the chance to uh, do some scripts for graphic novels is you, is you get a chance to do that where you make the scenes bigger or you make the shots bigger and you can do two page spreads and things like that where you don't necessarily have the space to do that if it's if you're working on a 22 or 24 page comic all the time but yeah but it's definitely especially when you have those big scenes like that yeah it's very powerful yes the the thing when you develop a relationship with a publisher on a that is as successful as the actual bible let's say the actual bible has been reaching its two million mark sales nationwide it's a lot of a lot of out there I had the script ready for me back then in 2006 so I was able to be talking to them about whenever we did some revisions let's change some pages into double page spreads to add more dynamic to the script and I think I've earned my respect from the publisher to be able to have more input and instead of just getting the script and do as it says. Right. Yeah. And um, I, I was just going to say that that's a good uh, for upcoming writers and artists. That's a good uh, it's a good lesson for you to not burn bridges and things. And uh, to, to try to be as uh, good a person to work with for the publishers and other people, because then you will get opportunities like that, and and they'll and they'll listen to you too. But I've just, I just I say that because I've seen a lot of people that just will, will kind of burn those bridges. Um, just I, I don't know, and I know it's the creative people are very passionate about what they believe or think, but. Sometimes it's better to just not say anything. <laughs> but believe me, I've had my share with everybody's. Oh yeah. Uh, every team on putting my foot down when I saw fit. Right. Uh, and we had to revise the uh, Samson's hair on the original Action Bible. And there was a point that I told 
the person in charge of wanting more change and more change, I said, that's enough. That's good enough. Yeah, yeah. Let's stop here. Um, I, I'm done doing revisions of this here. And they respected me for it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I know what you're saying. You, you, you have to know, you have to pick your battles. Yep. With Son of Samson, I also had to uh, work my way with uh, Gary and I and Zondervan to make sure that we did what we wanted because it was our character. And, and there was one point that some of the people wanted us to change the looks of the of, of Brandon, the character that we created. Right. And they even wanted, wanted a conference call to, to convince us to change it. Right. I put my foot down. I, I'm not going to change it. And, and if, and if it must change, then I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. But they agreed to not change and, follow what we thought was proper for our character since it was our gig not theirs right right and, it, and stuff like that and why in uh for those who have not seen it um to my remembrance uh he his son had very curly hair and yeah. very uh i don't know if it was light brown or like almost blondish or something or, yeah, or orange with, with the way some of the colors were covers were colored, but yeah, but I can see I can see why they might. Uh, was that was that actually supposed to be like red, like in your mind? The no, um, no, just, no, no. I think they wanted to change the years and they wanted to change some things. I don't remember exactly. Um, I think they want their hair to be even curlier than what I did. Oh wow, really? But I, um, but I told them no, and they also wanted to change to read it in a manga back to front. Right. And I said no, because first because I already had done 150 thumbnails after they decided to ask me to do them over. Right. And I said no i'm not changing yeah so i don't know how much I, I i don't know exactly uh what went through their minds but uh, another thing that we fought for was to have our names on the cover and right. nothing against bud rogers love my brother but uh they wanted to put credit of booking like if people go in the bookstore right uh, I want to buy books by Bud Rogers, the editor. I never heard of su such thing. Right. Never in my life. Usually, you look for the author of the book, the writer, or the or the, or the artist, not the editor. Um, how many editors do you look for in a comic book? Right. <laughs> I want to buy a book by editors such and such. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh. What about let's go by the artist, see if we can find them. right, yeah, yeah, so and had no idea what they were doing, yeah, yeah, that was an interesting time because all all the Christian publishers were getting into making comics for some reason. I'm not complaining because that's when I was getting a lot of work too, but but yeah, it was kind of crazy, and especially them having to learn and realize things, but it also seems like, and I'm sure you've kind of run into this some. 
it seems like with some editors and uh people who have power like they like they feel like that i don't know it's like they almost feel like they have to say something to justify their job <laughs> and their paycheck because yeah, I, don't, I don't know how that works i i only know that um whenever i have whenever i have issues if i f- feel it passionately i feel free to talk my mind right without being without burning bridges uh right so yeah i've had my share of talking to my colin when i was not happy with certain things and 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 he would pop the question are you quitting i said no, I'm not quitting, but I'm asking you if there's an opportunity to change this and this, uh, let me know. Uh, but I'll keep doing what I'm required to do, but I'm not going to be quiet and 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 suffer all all throughout the gig if right. something's bothering me. I, 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 I think that we all should have the freedom to express our feelings and I know that a lot of people burn bridges because they not only express their feelings, but they, they are too drastic in their behavior. Right. Um, so there's a balance there. But I, I think that, for example, when I did that stroke with Mark Wolfman, I would ask the editor, can I combine action in some pages? And the editor always gave me the freedom to do so. And Marv complimented me for the work that I did on that stroke. Right. He told me when we met in person that he said, you know, I like the way you treated uh, that stroke because uh, the pages didn't look as cluttered as the previous artists. And um, I didn't say it to him. Right. But the reason why it's not cluttered is because I combine action. Right, and I, uh, because Marv loved to write nine panels in a page, ten right. panels. Right, and, and I thought they cluttered the pages too much, especially because sometimes the pages had too much information in each panel. Right. So, I think that when you when you work with with a writer and a publisher, if there's something that you need to say because you feel strongly about it, you should be able to to talk about it. Yeah, it's well, and it's just like you said. You just have to, you have to pick your battles, and right. yeah, and it's and because there's been times when other people have kind of been fighting for stuff as if it was my opinion, and I'm like, this is not the hill I want to die on. It's like this is not the, this is not the thing I want to fight for. I'll fight for something else. It's like this this is not it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, and 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 honestly, I mean that that yeah, I was kind of bringing that up because. Uh, like even when I've seen you or heard you and when you do disagree with something like you, like you don't attack people like the way that some, like some creative, like it's like, they feel like, you know, any, any bad thing said about them is attack on them. So then like they attack whoever's saying it and kind of get personal and, and with the way that they word things and, and I guess I was part of kind of part of my advice about like not burning bridges is like you got to kind of con- learn to control yourself and those passions and and not uh, let them get the better of you. But yeah, no. And, yeah, this in, in this business you have to 
you have to have a balance of humility and pride. Right. Yeah. You're not um, the the door uh, mat for anybody. Right. But you're not <laughs> uh, the super duper looper creator that demands everything, gets everything, you know? Right. Uh, even Joe Kubert, when he did uh, text for uh, Sergio Bonelli, yeah. They, yeah, they were freaking out because Joe, he started doing the pages. And I remember when he was working on that book, uh, 230 pages or so. Wow. It took him wow. seven years to do because he was busy with the school editing and and stuff and such so he didn't have much time to work on the pages but in the beginning if you have that text wheeler by joe kubert he did his thing that he was used to do in american comics but the italians freaked out and they asked joe please can you use tears instead of panels going all over the place in the page right i just will not understand that sequence can you please just use Tears like comic strips, right? One top of the other, please. And and Joe said no problem. And you can see the change from the first pages into the rest of the book. Joe complied to the publisher on that, right? And also, the girl at the lake. Uh, Joe drew the girl naked, covered but naked, and then they asked him to cover her with uh, clothing uh so there even joe kubert picked his battles right and, and other times joe would use his clout to say no to certain things right like when we did the 911 uh tribute for dc or marvel i forgot but we all had the procedure was for us to submit the roughs to the editor and that it will prove it and it will ink it and submit it. When it was Joe's turn, they asked Joe to see roughs first before he could ink it. And I said, no, uh, you're going to accept what I give you. And the editor, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's funny. So Joe he he was fearless in the business and well known for it um but he also complied with the italians and sergio bonelli and he also complied to the army magazine in doing the format that they wanted so it it's a matter of balance and it's a matter of knowing your worth knowing how much uh, you, how far you can go, how, can you, how far you can push certain things, and 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 when to, like you said, when to keep quiet, swallow your pride, and just move move along till we build up that trust to be able to change something. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, man, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get off the subject a little bit, but, uh, just, 
Because no, but I mean, I I find it, I just find it interesting, like the careers and and uh, and the way everything happens. Um, but uh, definitely, uh, I know that it, I'm saying this for our listeners. One of the best places where you can follow everything that Sergio has going on is at Instagram. He posts a lot on there. I have a YouTube channel that I post a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Yeah, and on and YouTube too. Twitter, Twitter account. Well, thank you for chatting, and thank you again for your art pieces that you did for us. My pleasure. And I will, uh, we'll let you get back to the drawing board. And I'll, I'll tell Ben Avery you said hi. Yeah, yeah, please do. Uh, loved working from his scripts, and it was a great collaboration. Very cool. Well, I can let you go and get back to whatever you need to get back to. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk to you. Definitely. And thank you again. My pleasure.